0: The Ponder Podcast exists to encourage the soul-nourishing practice of pondering the Bible with friends. Hey, I'm your host Laura Harden and we are plodding ahead on our trek through Ephesians. Today we have my dear friend Kanisha Rogers joining us to ponder chapter 3 verses 1 through 13. A little bit about my friend. She is the mom of three kids. She was born and raised outside of Washington, D.C., and is now living in Chester County, Pennsylvania. She has a background in mental health and social work and currently works as a project coordinator for a language center. One thing I love about Kanisha and about talking with her is how easy it is to get to the heart. And you know we are all about the heart here. So let's jump right in. Welcome to the Ponder Podcast, Kanisha. I'm so happy you can join us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I remember meeting you 10 years ago at your home church where you grew up, and I just remember every time we could finally connect, it was so refreshing. And just to see how our lives have progressed and oddly look like kind of (laughs) similar. So anyway, it's just a joy and a delight to be able to connect with you in this way. But for my listeners who don't know who you are, um, would you mind just sharing a bit about yourself, what your life looks like now? I think when I met you, you, you were in college.
1: Yeah, I probably was in college. And I think you were still doing campus ministry. So that sounds about right. Well, like you said, it's been 10 years since then. So I'm out of college, mom to three littles, Malachi Hadassah Calvin and wife to Ben. Life is really full for me right now. Um, Ben and I are both juggling two full time jobs or a full time job each <laughs> with our three kids home because of the pandemic and so things are just really full, but again, it's just clear that the Lord's in it and you know, we're chugging along like I'm sure everyone is just doing the best we can
0: well just hearing that it means so much to me that you would carve out some time to dig into Ephesians 3 1 through 13 which as I was like pondering it I was like "Hmm, I wonder why Kenesha chose this and I suspect I know so I would love if you would read the passage for us and then I'll say a brief prayer for our time Sure. Is that all
1: right? Do you have a preferred version?
0: No. I, yeah, whatever you prefer to read. Okay,
1: because I am, I'm these days, I'm a New Living Translation girl.
0: Nice.
1: I know everyone kind of has their preference, but.
0: Yeah, no, go for it. I was just memorizing a passage with the kids from New Living because it's just easier for them to understand.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. same. Mm-hmm. Same for me. I find it a bit easier to to using in, like, everyday communication um, mm-hmm. when I've been reading in in this version.
0: So. Nice. Now, let me just dig there a little bit, because I think this could be helpful for the listeners. Are you saying, like, talking to other people outside of, like, even your family, it's easier to refer to the New Living Translation?
1: I have found it very helpful. I mean, I grew up on ESV primarily, mm-hmm. and I see ESV... So, that's definitely what I think sort of my Bible knowledge is based in, Mm -hmm. but just in this season where I feel like I just need the word to be as accessible as possible, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think I found the New Living Translation to be just helpful in in sort of every day, just wanting to make sure I get, you know, some word in me in a way that is going to be accessible.
0: That's what I think. Streetlights uses New Living translation. And um, and I find anytime I use a different translation, it's just refreshing. It's like reading it in a new way. So this will be good. Cool. Yeah. So would you mind reading that for us? Four. This is Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. When I
1: think all of this, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles, Assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into his plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to the previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news shared equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promised blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving Him by spreading His good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mystery, the plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now become now come boldly and confidently in God's presence. So please do not lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you. So you should feel honored.
0: Mm. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the wealth of your grace, that endless treasure available to us in Christ. Father, I pray that as Kanisha and I open up your word and ponder it, God, that you would open our eyes to see wonderful things in it, that you would give us life through it, God, that you would unite our hearts to follow you, to be singers solely devoted to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So as you read through this, what stuck out to you the most? Where did you camp out?
1: Yeah, there's so many things that stick out to me, but I think partially because of just the season I'm in, I just love sort of the theme in this verse of access to God. I think where I'm at in my faith right now, I'm realizing a lot of unhelpful sort of paradigms about what it means to engage with God, what it means to interact with His Word, how you're supposed to approach Him. I'm just realizing a lot of ways in which, like, I live like a Pharisee when it comes to my walk with God. And I think this verse, like, there's just so much there that's like this invitation in. And I think you see that in just the way the gates, you know, to relationship with God are open so widely and in a way that's wider than even the original readers of this letter would have understood. And then, you know, at at the very end, when it talks about like coming boldly into his presence, I think that's the verse that sort of has been like, I've just been soaking in. And and our our church did Ephesians about two months ago, it was right before the pandemic. Um, So I've had the benefit of hearing teaching on this book also. And I think just the emphasis on like coming, I've just found really comforting and have been kind of chewing on for a while.
0: I love that. I love that you said it sticks out to you the um the access access cuz you said a few times when you even chose New Living Translation you said you love it because it's accessible. So just that theme of what is going to get you closer to the truth and to Jesus. For me what stood out was verse 10 where it says God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. I think it stands out to me because it pinpoints the fact that this mystery is that God's good news for us is that it's for everyone. His promise is for everyone. And this was like his wisdom. And it's like, Beyond what we would have done, because if it was up to us, it would just be—it would have just been for the Jews. Or now, today, it would just be for a different people group. But God is saying it's for everyone. He's coming for everyone. He didn't come for just the Jews. He's coming for everyone. He has a right to it. We're all His creation, and I just—I love that and how it ties into verse six um, in the ESV. It says like we're okay. fellow heirs, same body, partakers of the promise. And I don't know about you, and we don't have to go too much into this, but I just thought like there's no privilege, there's no superior group, it's one body that we all take part in. And even as you were talking, my eyes well up because it's just like, this is the wisdom of God. And the fact that he uses the word church helps me to see, because I think with everything going on, especially with the pandemic, it's really easy to just have this individualized understanding of our relationship with God, which there is an individual component, but seeing that this wisdom can only be displayed through the church, the collective body of believers. So it's manifest through a diverse church. In this context, Jewish and Gentile. In our context, we're all Gentiles for the most part. <laughs> but it's like a diverse group of Gentiles. Like it's not the same if it's just one group. It doesn't show his wisdom. And I just have explanation points about around the point of like he's recreating the whole world, not just one segment of it and how, like you said, how good it is. It's like everyone, everyone come, everyone come, you know? So as you're processing access and being able to come boldly to the Lord with confidence, like where does that intersect with your life? Like, how does it hit you personally? How might God be calling you, Kanisha, to respond to that?
1: Yeah. So I think what the Lord's been kind of teaching me slowly over the last couple of years is how much i cling to sort of rules and like even in my reading of god's word for so long i struggled with consistently having interaction with god's word And I would prefer to get that interaction through a sermon or through sort of someone else giving me how I'm supposed to understand this verse. So even when you like sent your ponder method and you were like, you don't need to like read a bunch of commentaries. I'm like, no, I do, I do. Like I need to read all the commentaries. I I did it, I did it. But like that has been up until I would say the last year, like my temptation is just to feel like I have to bring more to the reading of God's word and bring more to you know like it's not enough for me to just read it and like let him speak to me uh and that, that's just been really hard and i feel like when you read a verse like this like what you see is all of this divine purpose and all of this um, invitation and you don't see a lot of like but in order to do that you have to do this list of things or in order to understand the bible correctly you have to do this list of things Mm -hmm. um and i keep coming back to it as you pointed out in verse 10 the phrase i'm not sure if it says this in esv but in living translation says he uses the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety and i keep coming back to that because as someone who likes to follow rules i can't always contribute i have trouble contributing to the rich variety because i feel more comfortable parenting what (laughs) i've been told or like going with what feels the safest understanding or the safest approach. I've just been really camped out on that idea of like, man, I don't know that he intends for any one of us to have it all, mm-hmm. to have every accurate advantage, to exegete the per- the every passage perfectly. Like, I don't know if that's the goal. And I find that there is so much freedom in saying like, man, I'm bringing a piece of this rich variety. And as I read his word, he's revealing a piece of his rich variety to me I walk out and display to the world, to my family. And it's really changing the way I think about how I not only approach God, but how I walk out my faith sort of accepting humbly that like i don't have all the answers but there is something that he's revealed to me Mm -hmm. that into the context that i find Mm -hmm. myself in that ties into like a lot of the conversations that i know many churches are having about race and all of this that you know it's really easy to sort of become dogmatic and how you understand God's word, how it's supposed to be read, how it's supposed to be used, how we're supposed to live our life, and just to become very dogmatic. And I think we're we're doing ourselves a disservice when we glaze over this rich variety that God keeps, you know, in different ways in all of scripture just showing up. So those are some of my thoughts.
0: That is so good. It's so good. It reminds me of back in chapter one in the New Living Translation, verse uh thirteen. Going into 14, it says, And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. And just that we all have His Spirit. And that variety you're talking about, we're experiencing, I'm experiencing it right now. That's why I love getting into the Word with other people because I see things, but you see other things. And we get to bring that together and like edify or build one another up with our pieces of that variety. Since you brought up, you know, and I kind of touched on it too, like the broader race conversations that are happening, I couldn't help thinking about that while reading this passage. And so for me, as I was thinking, like, where does this hit me in my life? Just the manifold wisdom of God in the church. Um, Honestly, so I'm now at a church that is majority White, which your home church has become so diverse. It's amazing to see like what has happened in the past 10 years. And it's just God's kindness. Um, and my current church, like we desire that, but that's just there where you guys were like maybe 12 years ago or so. So, and I love it. I love them. They've been so supportive and helpful during this time. Um, I haven't felt uncared for. But when you see like majority black churches and now that there's less work they have to do, like trying to get people to understand or different conversations that are being had in the community, sometimes it's tempting to be like, maybe I should be at a black church, you know? And so just, and and I feel comfortable saying that. I've said that to fellow church members, like maybe I should be at a black church. But when I read this, I was like, no, like, We're all called to different places, and some people are called to be there. This is where I am, and being here and doing—yes, it's more work. Yes, there's more hard conversations. I'm more exposed, more vulnerable here in some ways. But the work that I'm doing is this verse. If I were to leave, we wouldn't see God's wisdom in the same way. It would just be like, okay, that's a white church. There's a black church. So I just felt like God was saying— stop looking out everywhere else and do what I have in front of you. Like, this is where you are. This is where I'm feeding you. This is, like you said, I'm receiving from the community, but I also have something to give. There is a piece of that rich variety that I have to give here. And I don't know if you noticed this, um, but I was talking with Adam last night and he really underlined like... In heavenly places, like we think a lot of times when we're having these discussions, it's all about, oh, we need to, you know, racial reconciliation, unity, so that everybody in the world can see, like, the witness, which is important. But what is interesting here is that God is showing this off to the unseen rulers in the heavenly places. Like, this is so much bigger than what other people think about what the church is doing. Like, God Is displaying his glory beyond that. And I was thinking, so that's what Satan is fighting is like, this is a war. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's like, he's, you know, wants to work against the Lord, usurp his authority, his goodness. And God is like, no, I'm going to show you my glory. And so of course there's this division right now. That's exactly what he's working against. And so just seeing that bigger picture was kind of freeing to me too. Like, okay, it was also like, "Wow, we can't do this without the Lord then." but it was like, but, <laughs> but it was also just like, stop paying attention or like going jumping to Ephesians six, We fight not against flesh and blood, Stop worrying so much about what this person is saying or what this person is liking or what article this person shared, but it's like there is something bigger happening, And so the greatest thing I can do is make sure I'm in line with God's word, that I'm pursuing and seeking God's manifold wisdom um in the church that's a lot (laughs) but that's really where I guess if I could break it down more practically for me is just to be where I am and to see the wisdom of God in having me where I am even if others don't understand because I admittedly was I this is gonna sound funny Kanisha me at my church is one of the few people of color was judging a really well-known black preacher for being kind of like a token (laughs) person in his community and I was like why why couldn't he bring that like to our community and I'm like but Laura like you're doing the same thing you know and so just seeing like there's a variety like i love that you said that there's a variety to like what god is doing and how his word manifests in our lives and what we do with it and where we take it so i just need to stop worrying about what everybody else is doing and just do what's in front of me and be where i am um because i think me and you are similar like based on our upbringings and who we are and even our families we're in a, u- a unique position to be able to <laughs> contribute in a specific way. Uh, I don't have the freedom to not be compassionate because like, my husband is white. So, you know what I mean? Like, And he has a, a similar burden. but um, and It's that- a blessing. I
1: mean, I as frustrating as these last few months in particular have been, last few years have been, I have been aware of the unique vantage point I have as someone who is a person of color, but mostly navigates in white circles, you know, outside of my family, like most of my circles have been up till, I would say up until now, predominantly white. Our church is pretty diverse that we're at here in PA. And I, I love that. Um, it's still, you know, quintessentially a white evangelical church which is fine but you know I I grew up in a church that was predominantly white and so I this idea of like walking in love and like seeing people for who they are and recognizing that they're in process is something that I have to do every day because it's not like I have to go somewhere special to see someone who has a different perspective Mm -hmm. than me or like you know I that's just I'm soaked in and always have been and I think that gives it, it brings a lot of nuance to my perspective on where our nation is right now. That I I it doesn't mean I'm always right or, you know, that I'm more objective. It just means I've got a different lens. And so again, to to bring that to conversations, I think again with humility and, you know, with a recognition that I don't have all the answers, but just to say like, Hey, you made this really blanket statement about this group of people but i know a lot of people who aren't like that mm-hmm. or you mm-hmm. may you know you have these assumptions about motive for why people might make this decision oh this mm-hmm. way blah, blah blah but i actually know people who do that and that's not their motivation mm-hmm. and so you know, it, it, it's a tension and it's exhausting sometimes because it is much more comfortable to just be like with people who are like you. And, mm.
0: and that's what I'm seeking, right? We both like our safety, Kanisha. I'm just like, oh, why can't I just be somewhere where it's just comfortable?
1: <laughs> but comfort's a killer. And I think like that's even what I feel like a lot of, you know, Paul's story you see. is just like he's always in process and God seems to be like, kind of rolling this plan out to him progressively and sending him to these people that like, everyone's like, you're not supposed to go there. Like, why are you telling them this stuff? And, you know, you just see that like, God is very much about his processes. Man, don't, I want to be there. I want to be the friend that like stuck through it, Mm -hmm. you know, as you went through your process of understanding the race dynamics in America Mm -hmm. for the first time or, Mm -hmm. you know, recognizing your own blind spots and like I don't know I just feel like there's a privilege to being able to 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 be in that walk with people as much as there's also
0: Mm
1: -hmm. a lot of burden and a lot of holy spirits at my lips because I don't know
0: right right well I do want to say like I love going back to verse six where it says and the ESV, it says the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise. And I remember when I first went to your home church back in Maryland, and I remember seeing your family and being like, wow, you guys were yourself. Like, it was, it was so peculiar to me because the only I had always been used to, okay, if there are people of color in a majority-wide context, they're going to seem very much like that context, everything about them, how they dress, how they talk, what they... And I just remember, like, be like, wow, these, this family is themselves, but they're loved. They are in this community, you know? And, I, of course, I haven't wasn't there the whole time, so I don't know everything, but I just remember how much that helped me to stay, and I know other people who was able to stay because you guys stayed, you know? So I just think about that now where I'm at, I do have a temptation. If I can't leave to somewhere more comfortable, then I want to assimilate and kind of try to be accepted. And like, um, so my fight right now is also if I'm going to live this wisdom out that God has I need to fight to just to bring all of me here. If I want to be a little more expressive, if I you know a little more loud, a little more um, you know if I want to clap, you know, just to do it. But there can be this fear of like, oh gosh, you know, I'm 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 troubling the water, You know, but thankfully, like the elders in my church are like, no, like we want that, like we want you to be yourself. But it's hard. So that just makes me have more respect for you and your family for the ways you guys did that because I can literally think of examples of like wow like like your mom like she don't care she's like, I'm worshiping I'm good you know what I mean <laughs> you know what I mean so just to have that example and be like that's a part of what it looks like to live out this verse and just knowing the background of Paul's work to bring the gospel to the Gentiles and even the whole council in Jerusalem of like, they don't have to do all these things. You know what I mean? Like they don't have to be Jewish to know Christ. And I feel like that's a similar dynamic that we're talking about here of like being able to bring yourself to Christ and be yourself in Christ, you know? Um, So I didn't even write that down, but as you're talking, I'm like, that's another piece of it. It's not just being there, but also like bringing your whole self there and not feeling like you have to become like the other majority group or whatever.
1: Yeah. No, I think but that's yeah. huge. And I think that's something that, you know, I appreciate about my parents. I do feel like they always were who they were. I think growing up in the church, it was a bit harder to sort of, you know, cause you're a child growing and learning in an environment where there is this cultural tension Um, And I don't even mean tension in a bad way, inherently, there were hard parts about it. But then there are also kind of cool things about, you know, being in this sort of diverse world, growing up in sort of a world that wasn't black and white. But I think that's one of the things that I'm learning is like, in what ways have I sort of in an effort to assimilate, um, in an effort to, I mean, I hate to stand out. Like, my wardrobe is mostly black and white and gray, because I just, I don't like, to be, I don't like any unnecessary, like extra attention. And so it wasn't even so much about like wanting to be like everyone else as much as it was like, I just don't want to stick out, <laughs> you know, like I don't want to stick out from the crowd. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things the Lord is saying, like, sometimes he need, He wants you to, sometimes he wants me to, mm-hmm. you know, bring that rich variety that he's called me to bring. Mm-hmm. And, you mm-hmm. know, it, it's been, a, it is a learning process to like figure out what that looks like without mm. de- then demanding people be like me or think like me. Uh, yes. that the other thing is it's easy to slip into like, but guys, I see it. And like, you guys should see it the way I see it yeah. too. And it's like, yeah. no, maybe, maybe that's just not where God has them. But I love mm. that in 8, he talks about how like Paul's goal or, or the, the job that he was entrusted with was to tell the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. And that's one of the things I've been thinking a lot about in terms of the, the church and this conversation on race that's sort of been reinvigorated of like, if we could view these conversations more with that light and less like a culture war, you know, and less like mm-hmm. a, someone's trying to take something from us. But like Paul was bringing news to the Gentiles that they didn't know, like they didn't see it and they needed someone to tell them, they needed someone to show them and It even says, like, he's the least deserving of all God's people. So it's saying, like, it's not really anything special about Paul. It's just this is how God chose to use Paul. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I just feel sometimes that, like, man, the Bible just gives us the blueprints for some of these conversations. And we just choose to not have them the way that Scripture shows us to. But like this idea that when we come together as diverse groups of people, it's not just so that we can have a bunch of brown people and white people in the same room. Like the goal is for us to be like, hey guys, look at this treasure in Christ that like mm-hmm. he's revealed to me. Mm-hmm. Let me share that with you. Mm-hmm. Share with me like the good news, like the blessings and the truth and the mm-hmm. wisdom that he's been revealing to you. Mm-hmm. And those mm-hmm. those things may not always overlap. Like there might be wisdoms that growing up as a black American with the heritage of suffering and resilience and discrimination, you know, all of that, like all of that rich heritage that we have as black Americans. And we can look back and say, man, like our people, they just have a view of God that like, it's just a perspective that's so that's just a little different and Mm -hmm. a little Mm -hmm. unique and like, man, to bring Mm -hmm. that into your church and to Mm -hmm. say, You know, Mm -hmm. have you thought about this aspect of God? Have you sat in that? Mm -hmm, And then for our white brothers and sisters, like, hey, you guys have, you know, a different um, experience of God in some ways. Mm -hmm. And you can Mm -hmm. bring those rich treasures and we can share them with Mm -hmm. each other. And I just feel like there's just a lot there that can just be so redemptive.
0: So I won't keep you much longer. But as you were talking, I thought about, I don't know if you heard... There's a documentary on Amazon Prime on Diedrich Bonhoeffer. I haven't read the book. I want to read the bio, but I just need more time. But in it, he, it talks about how he went to visit, I think, New York, and he got to visit African-American church, just their worship, the preaching. And it really had a life-changing effect on him because he saw what they were going through, like the segregation, the um, you know, civil rights, all of that. But he saw how their faith like was it was almost like the Thessalonians like they were being persecuted but like the gospel was just going out like they were being persecuted and oppressed but their faith was like so big and I don't I'm butchering it, so I definitely recommend you and listeners go check out this documentary. But um he basically he took back what he learned to Germany and that kind of was like the foundation of everything he did as far as like the school he started and he started teaching them how to spend time with God and people were going and being like, I've never encountered God this way, like this personal relationship with God and it's and he got that from the African American church. Like he was triggered by that. And um, I was just struck by that because nobody ever talks about that. And a lot of people read his books as like, oh yeah, this is foundational for discipleship. But a lot of that came from what he learned from the example of African-Americans. And he's coming, he resonated with it because of what he saw what was happening in Germany, is my point. Like he saw similar oppression and he wanted to bring back that kind of faith to help Christians fight against the injustice and also preserve their walk with the Lord, their communion with the Lord and com- Christian community. So I was just like, that's so that's exactly what you're talking about. Like there was something to learn from African-American Christians and that helped to preserve the faith of German Christians at that time and and their witness it helped to preserve their witness. So um I just find that to be like wow, like we need to talk about that more. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I um I'm really grateful for this conversation Kanisha and just for your example of just following the Lord. Like that's what it sounds like you're doing right now. You're just chasing Jesus like you just want Jesus. And that's why I was so excited to invite you to be on the podcast and to hear your thoughts on on Ephesians. Um, But would you be willing to pray for us, pray for me and you, pray for the listeners, that we would contemplate these verses and live out what we've been talking about? Sure,
1: of course. Well, God, I just thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word that, whether it's 15 minutes or an hour, um, that There's just always something that you have for us when we interact with your word, and especially when we do it in the context of community. So I thank you for Laura. I thank you for her heart to just um, build women up in their walk and in their just courage to interact with scripture, with boldness and faith, God. Um, I just pray blessings over her family. I pray that you would just meet every need that they have, that you continue to strengthen Laura's faith, Um, to continue to allow her to carve out time to meet with you to to be in your word and god in light of this passage i just pray that you would help us and the listeners for to just approach you with boldness you've invited us in you've paved the path you've opened the gates wide for those of us who may not have considered ourselves to be one of yours, Lord, you've made it clear that we're all invited in. And I just pray that we would take advantage of that and that we would see you in, in your word, that we would see your character and your love for us, that we would see that you're more gracious and kind and merciful and gentle than we ever give you credit for being God. And I just pray that as we um, soak in your word, that you would just reveal your wisdom to us in its rich variety um, and that we would bring that to our communities and we would share that with one another and that in that your gospel would go forth and your people would be built up lord so thank you for this time um i just pray blessings over laura's work here all of the women that she's impacting through this lord in your name we pray amen
0: ponder method has three parts to help us engage our hearts with the word we peer into the bible we ponder the bible and we prayerfully consider how we will practice the bible whether we're getting into the word by ourselves or with others it's important to consider how what we're reading hits us on the heart level because that is where God is at work. Kanisha and I dove into how this text intersects with something heavy on our hearts right now. The topic of race, unity, and justice in the church. To some, this may seem like a divergence from the main point of the text, which is about the glory of God on display through the inclusion of all peoples in His plan for redemption. But what you heard was how this intersects with our lives and how God might have us respond to the main point of this text. Now it's your turn. Perhaps you're considering the main goal of sharing the gospel with unbelievers. Like Kanisha mentioned, are we sharing it in a way that's accessible to people unlike us, accessible to the people on our hearts? Are we focusing on the endless treasure we have in Christ? Remember, unless you are Jewish, you are a Gentile. That's where you are in the passage. You are the other, in this context, I pray one of our responses is humble, heartfelt praise and gratitude for the manifold wisdom of God to choose us, to adopt us, and to redeem us, to forgive us, to include us in his plan to redeem a people for himself. Praise God. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in the believer's ear. It sorrows, heals his wounds. And drives away his feet